and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Episode 93 in the scorching heat. I've got the window wide open, so if there's any background <laughs> noises, it's just too hot to keep the window closed. Today I'm joined by Sacred UK, a rather strange Twitter handle, but he's told me I can call him Chris. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great, mate. I'm doing great. It's uh, Actually, it comes from... Uh gaming basically from like 20 years ago so don't ask i've kept, <laughs> i've just kept it as a online elias basically so yeah bits before my time yeah yeah um, <laughs> i am a bit older than you are yeah uh, but you recently put out a kind of screen grab video of your portfolio which surprised a few people Two hundred thousand pounds deep and i believe you've only started recently yeah almost nine months i started in november 2018 um Liked what I saw, obviously, and and gradually deposited more and more. That's a good indicator of what Football Index are doing, aren't they? If they can encourage you to deposit yeah. that much money after a, I don't know, what was your you know initial deposit, and then when was your main bulk of it? I initially discovered Football Index through just friends chatting. Mm. Literally, they had small amounts in it. They were just chatting. I was like, okay, what's this? I'll have a look. And then uh, I saw they had a promo at the time. I think it was risk-free 500 for seven days mm-hmm. so i thought why not so i just shoved in 500 quid and then <laughs> made horrible mistakes like normal <laughs> i think my first purchase was actually you know the track the trackers 100 oh, okay interesting because I, I had a lot of investments in stocks and shares and they preach about diversifying <laughs> i thought okay i'm just gonna buy the tracker with and it, at the time i think it came to £475 at the time. So mm-hmm. I had 25 quid after buying one of every of the top 100 players. <laughs> then uh, I soon realised that was not probably the best choice. But um, that was my initial deposit. Maybe a few weeks later after doing a lot more research, um, gradually deposited more and more. I ended up putting a 5000 in, mm-hmm. my first big deposit. Um, and I was actually curious to see what my first kind of buys were. Like after the tracker, this is, and they are actually Phil Foden, Sancho, Brahim Diaz, Ronaldo, Messi, and Vinicius Junior. Mm. So actually, I was actually surprised by that because it's not actually too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've done well. Clearly, I mean, it's you've got some ROI, I think, going considering you only started in November, which is pretty incredible. But why don't you tell us a bit more about your background? I'm interested to hear as well. You're one of the first people I think that's come on the podcast who's talked about his friends introducing him, that network effect. I think usually a lot of people that come on have found it through YouTube advertisements or Facebook ads or yeah. Twitter or whatever. So it's quite interesting to hear. Uh, I think it's a, a big, big thing um, that can snowball as the product becomes more popular. I mean, when it gets finally gets to a point where friends are talking in the pub about it, you know, it's just going to snowball more and more. The more users, the more people are talking about it. I think word of mouth is just as important as the actual advertising budget, to be honest. And yeah, that's how I, I found about it. And uh, more generally about your background, I think we had a chat off air just before we started. Oh, yeah, which, sorry. Yeah. Which sounds very interesting. So I have a very similar background to Don and Panda. We're basically gambling. Um, I've been a professional gambler for the last almost nine years. Initially, it was poker. I played poker for five years. It's just online cash games. Then transitioned into match betting. The same thing that Don talked about recently, I think. Mm-hmm. But nine years ago, I was just working a, a normal office job and discovered poker. 
played poker in the evening after work, became obsessed, <laughs> very, very obsessed with poker. And it, it got to a point after maybe nine, ten months where I was actually earning more from poker in the evening. After nine, ten months of starting? Yeah, I'm a very single-minded person when it comes to things. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, I focus way too much on uh, singular things, um, and poker was so def- definitely one of them. You played your first ever poker game. It was. I went round a friend's flat for like a line. You just like rounded flat with a bunch of mates. I'd never touched poker before. Didn't know the rules. We were just having a beer, sat around a table playing cards, and uh, <laughs> basically from there, got hooked on it. I won that night, by the way. That probably <laughs> that probably helped it. But I was hooked from there. I went home that night and downloaded PokerStars, the you know online. Mm. I think most people will, will have heard of PokerStars. Downloaded the software and just started from there. Um, read everything I could, studied very hard, played a lot of hands, and eventually, after about nine, ten months, I was actually earning more from poker than than my office job. That's pretty amazing. I can't lie, uh, listeners. If if I sound taken aback, it's because I actually am. Uh, that's that's pretty incredible. If you consider the the complexities of poker as a game in terms of the strategy, I mean. Yeah. I've never ever played properly. I've only ever played with friends and I'm pretty crap, admittedly. But to learn that quickly and to become that good and to make more than your day job in yeah. that time is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was um, December 2010 when I had my notice in and wow. uh, started full-time poker in January 2011. And that was very big eye-opener, like trying to... Suddenly I was my own boss. I was in charge <laughs> of my own time. It was very weird. Um, it took me a while to adjust to that, but eventually I got into the swing of things and uh, it, yeah, it picked up there. I was pretty successful. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we've got a couple of miscellaneous questions here before we really get stuck in. From James, what's the threshold for having an account manager at Football Index? <laughs> yeah, I saw this question. I actually had to look back through my emails because I received a, an email from Dan Neal, I think it's called, cool. yeah, customer account manager. I never actually responded. He, he's... Just like emailing me to say that basically I'm here if you need me. Um, I look after the big portfolios, blah, 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 blah. And I was looking at what my portfolio was at that time because I was curious because I wasn't actually sure. And it came to 78,000, I believe. Mm. So this was January, just I think January the 4th of this year. So I think maybe that's the threshold or close to that. Mm. But Mm. I've never had a conversation. I've never had to contact Dan at all so how's he been I've never spoken to him <laughs> it's just the email I've got I've received the email very polite uh, email from him and I looked at it okay cool I've got some I've got a reference here if I have any problems but I've mm. never had any problems so so I wouldn't I haven't spoken to him about thresholds and like you know what their criteria is or if it's top 200 portfolios 100 I have no idea but but yeah he did send me an email in January <laughs> and it's Stuart White here. Can you lend me 199k, please? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm presuming the money's come from your poker winnings, correct? Yes. Uh, well, I was probably more successful at match betting, to be honest. Oh, wow. I made more money from match betting. Um, poker taught me a lot of things. I managed to save quite a bit of money doing poker, but I used a lot of the money that I'd, I'd saved. Because with match betting, you need a bankroll mm. to do as many offers as you can. The more offers you do, the more money you make. It's kind of a little, kind of builds up slowly. Whereas poker, it's very up, down from day to yeah. day. You can play perfect poker and you can be up or down in a day because there's a 
there's like luck involved. Mm-hmm. With match betting, it's just incremental increases unless you make, make a per, like a mistake, an actual misclick, or you you place the wrong bet or, or lay the wrong horse. Mm. Um, so I found match betting a lot less stressful than poker um, without that luck element involved. And also, there's a lot of different facets to match betting. And if you think outside the box and have enough knowledge within it, you can actually make a lot of money. And uh, one of the niches I found within match betting was arbing in play tennis, which I don't think a lot of people did. Mm. It's not something I would recommend for an amateur or somebody who's just getting into match betting, for example. But basically, you'd look at the bookmaker site. You'd have your exchange open on the other monitor and you'd kind of look at the odds for both sites. And sometimes the bookmaker would have the odds slightly out and you can make a small profit on a bet. And I'll do this over and over and over and over and over again. And you make enough bets, making like £2 per bet, £2 per bet. In a day, you can make a decent amount of money. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Sounds like it. That's just one facet of match betting. There's, there's loads of different things you can do, but... Thinking outside the box and don't, not following the sheep because matchmaking has p- become quite popular now with mm-hmm. sites popping up and they're having like tens of thousands of users. I think Don alluded to that in a recent pod where it's become a lot more popular. So thinking outside the box, so you're is very important. I think if you want to make decent money from matchmaking. Mm. I mean, that's kind of how I found football index. I was doing some match betting at uni, not very seriously, just to make a couple more quid every week and you know have some drinking money but that's how i found football index so i I wonder how many users football index owe to you know the likes of profit accumulator and match betting blog and all these other match betting sites that help people start out on uh, match betting but it's uh, it's certainly very interesting yeah. um have you got anything else to add before we kind of get on to the real meat of the podcast let's get into the meat i think i've rambled a bit too much there so yeah, no, let's, let's get cracking you've been quality so far mate before we get into the serious content and questions i really want to announce something quite exciting this episode is brought to you by real fancy football who are the latest football index podcast uh, partners and sponsors Do all of the teams in your fantasy football league have the same players? Does the entire league have the same boring template team? That sounds rather, well, boring. There's a better way to play. It's draft style and it's called real fantasy football. Drafts give you unique teams. There's head-to-head competition every single week and even a playoff at the end of the season if you want it. So if you're looking for a league where Salah, Sterling and Kane are not on every team, Go on Real Fancy Football and sign up today. That's realff.co.uk, realff.co.uk. So thanks very much to the guys at uh, Real FF. It's going to be a pleasure, I'm sure, you know, partnering with them in the next three to four weeks or so. Uh, and if you guys want to catch any other Football Index related content, I just released a YouTube video on Wednesday. Today we're recording on Wednesday called what ipos are a lot of people have been asking me those questions when new players get added to the index etc etc um so do have a look at that and uh regarding the latest nasdaq announcement have a look at my uh youtube video called what uh, are order books which i think could help a few people and speaking of what did you make of that nasdaq announcement today i thought was it was very very positive mm. i mean obviously a big big thing in the financial world, aren't they? And I'm all for order books. I mean, I 
obviously with match boxing, uh, I've been around exchanges a lot, so I'm very comfortable with that, and it makes sense to me. So if they can implement their system and, and help Football Index's back end, the tech side, with their help, it seems very positive to me. The only concern I would have is, would the markets have enough liquidity um, currently? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's hard to say. So d- did you read it as just purely an order book play? Because the way I read it, and I think this has been quite open to interpretation and slightly subjective, is that they might be helping FI with all of their tech? I don't know if I've read that wrong, though. I got a hint of that. Also, Adam Cole did an interview afterwards, like highlighting a few things as well. Um, like, obviously, slow down after market when it goes down and back up again, like from an announcement, we'd always have slowdown on the site, wouldn't we? I think mm-hmm. it mentioned that as well. So it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting. Hopefully uh, we'll find out more soon. Mm-hmm. I know it would be a bit of a nightmare, but I can imagine if NASDAQ were to create some sort of backend or some sort of foundation for Football Index, then for them to kind of plug in their website and all their apps and stuff on top of it, you know, I'm not a tech person, you can probably tell. Um, I think you'd have a much more robust platform. It's quite hard to do, obviously, but you yeah. know, NASDAQ have got obviously a lot of credibility in the space, a, a history of creating exchanges which are going to garner far more volume than Football Index ever will, probably. Yeah. Um, so in, in that sense, it's probably a positive. And I wonder how far away do you think they'll be, order books? Because I thought I saw a lot of people uh, tweeting, and I tweeted just before we were going to go and record, or just before we started recording, that you know this information had kind of just been tweeted, the, the announcement about the scoring matrix and also the NASDAQ stuff, literally two days, one after the other, after I announced that we were recording together. So yeah. I just wanted to get your feeling, you know, one, when do you think they'll come in? And two, do you think FI might... A lot of people have been basically saying that they make so much money from instant selling that they might not want to integrate order books. But clearly the NASDAQ announcement says otherwise. Yeah. In the past, they've said that they would, even with order books, they could potentially be keeping InstaSell. Um, mm-hmm. I think I remember that right. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, well, as they put it, they said that there'll always be liquidity providers, but you'd, yeah. you'd assume, right, if there's order books, then there'd be, I reckon if InstaSell right now is probably available 98% of the time. Yeah. I reckon with order books, we'd be looking at 50 if we're lucky, and then that would gradually go down as liquidity increases. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that Football Index make a lot of money from InstaSell, but they also have to have a lot of liability kind of there ready, you know? Mm-hmm. If order books are brought in and they needed less, it might make them financially more stable. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, don't know the, I don't know the financial side behind the scenes, but it strikes me as having, they're going to have a, like a large pot of money, basically, to deal with the demand of InstaSells. Well, it allows you to run more lean as a, as a company, doesn't it? Yeah, if yeah, you exactly. don't have the liability on deck, it means that you can, more in that kind of markets, Betfair exchange model where you are purely making money from commission. Yeah, it's basically the users are just exchanging money and you're taking your cut. Scoring matrix, that was the one, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think it'd certainly be interesting. And I'm actually interested in to seeing if they actually consider a third party to try and provide some liquidity but on the other side of things mate the pb scoring matrix uh, pretty much confirmed that it's going to be changing now uh, i think i alluded on the last podcast and this of course as i mentioned at the time it wasn't any information 
that I had on my own. It was just kind of an inkling considering the kind of timing of the surveys that it seemed that Football Index were going to change it for this upcoming season. What are your thoughts about this? Are you concerned? Are you worried? There's a lot of conflicting opinions out there. A lot of people think it's going to be great and a lot of people are worried because they've already kind of quote-unquote placed their bets. I think they could have timed this a lot, lot better. I think it's too soon to the close to this. Well, we don't know exactly what they're going to change for a start, but I imagine due to the part two questionnaire and the questions they answered, that they'll be changing at least three or four things within the matrix. Uh, probably goal-winning goal, they'll probably reduce that. It seemed quite popular. Um, looking back at the questions, it was between successful tackle and aerial duel. Generally, it seemed mm-hmm. that the, the tackle was more more popular. And successful dribbles, right? Yeah, it was successful dribbles and accurate crosses. Mm-hmm. They seemed quite even, quite... I'm not sure which one would they go with that. And then the last one was key pass versus accurate cross. Yeah. Where key passes seem to be more popular. I'm judging this based off... I think MDJ placed polls on these questions on Twitter. I'm just judging from the results of the polls, like the community sentiment. And that's what it seemed anyway. So... Whether they'll introduce all of those things or just one or two, um, I'm not sure. But either way, with people already buying into their PB players for the season, it seems very late uh, with only a week till, well, nine nine days (laughs) till the new season starts. It seems ludicrous to me. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I'm trying to find words to kind of play devil's advocate to both of us and and talk from FI's standpoint. And I can only think that They've thought to themselves, right, okay, when's the earliest we can do this? Well, we want to do it straight away. We're going to get some blowback from this. Can we do it at Christmas? Sure. But is that even that big a gap? And and tends to happen in Football Index World where stuff happens, shit hits the fan, and then it kind of blows over after a couple of weeks whenever we've had like bad announcements, bad tech malfunctions, bad communications, anything that's happened. And you've probably seen this since, you know, you've started on Football Index only, you know, less than a year ago. Yeah. That it tends to blow over after a couple of weeks, three weeks or so at max. So maybe they're thinking that if they do this announcement, if they maybe even up the the PB thing with the star man on a treble day by increasing PB a little bit, people have already been speculating about whether they're being bonus or not. So Maybe they're going to try and nullify the pain of ripping that band-aid off with some perks? Well, they did insinuate that, that it's not only about the PB Matrix with yeah. this announcement. So it'd be interesting to see what they do do. Uh, I think the Starman bumping that up to 3P on the treble day it does make a lot of sense. Um, I think some people are actually wanting more dividend-wise. But <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what else they, they say in the announcement. Well, I mean, the other obvious elephant in the room is in-play dividends, right? Yeah, yeah, you'd think they would mention that, but why would they not? Like, they didn't specifically mention it in the announcement release, did they? It was only the Matrix that they said anything about, so have they not decided yet? Are they deciding this week? Uh, So weird, isn't it? Are you concerned, by someone who has such a big portfolio like yourself, do you ever have doubts about kind of FI? when stuff like this happens? Um, it's obviously a leading question, but I just want to yeah. kind of pick your brain. I think in relative terms, FI is a very young company. It's growing very, very fast and they're having to try and keep up with it. Maybe it's growing a little bit too fast. 
mean, it's a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? Keep up with the growth. Like, for example, they more than doubled their support staff in January just because of the growth. That's crazy. Like, they've got actually got more new support staff than old support staff. It went from eight to 20, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you can almost give them a little bit of leeway in that sense. But the, it's frequently the tech side of it that disappoints me personally. I think it puts a lot of strain on the support staff. God, <laughs> God bless them. Like when, for example, uh, the IPOs recently got screwed up with selling at odd low prices. Um, I'm sure that the customer support department got hit very hard because of that. So yeah, it, it's to be expected. Is it disappointing? Yes. But overall, I, I'm very confident in the product long term. Mm, that's positive. Positive so in the spin on things. What about IPOs, if we're assuming that that's going to come up? I was very, well, they had, was it a four-month break? Was it yeah. almost five-month break? You'd assume during that period that they'd be working on some sort of new system, and then they, they announced that they were just going to have it the same, which was very bizarre. And then it turns out it was, wasn't even fixed anyway. It's, I have no idea how they went about that. The concern for me was that it kind of broke their website. Yeah. Like, it actually broke Football Index because it clearly just broke the whatever ledger system they have behind from a tech standpoint, which is worrying. Mm. And you talked about liquidity earlier with order books. Can Football Index, even with the tech that they currently have, get to the liquidity that they need for order books, which is probably why they've kind of brought in someone like Nasdaq? I think they can, for sure. I mean... I think the marketing side of the business is actually very good. But with the tech that they've got in place, Chris, yeah. is what I'm saying. Considering, like, you know, some IPOs came onto the platform, surely Football Index should be easy, easily handling this, right? Yeah. We actually didn't mention how long, because they signed the agreement with NASDAQ, but have they been working on it in the past months? Is it going to be something that's going to be soon? Is it going to be something in a year's time? It's... um. It's all up in the air, really. We don't really. There's not. There's not, not much transparency, um, which is another thing that annoys me from time to time. They, I think they could be a lot more transparent in what they're working on, what they failed on, the timescales that they kind of have because of certain issues. I think that would calm the community down a lot more. I think mm. silence isn't the way to go, mm. or some generic customer support, you know, kind of announcement saying we're working on this, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, hopefully they can sort the tech issues out um, in time for the the advertising push, the three times the advertising like budget mm. that they've been harping on about for a while now. <laughs> hopefully uh, they can get all the ducks in a row ready for that push. Here, here. Uh, FI Gardener said, although last week's IPOs were a bit of a nightmare, have you been surprised how some of the recent IPOs have held their value? And prices haven't really fallen away like they used to pre-share split. That surprised me a lot because um, they suddenly announced the IPOs. And I looked at it and I was judging it from past experience where I'll be there waiting for a certain player that I wanted, you know, typing in the search bar. He'd pop up and he'd jump 60p in an amount of five seconds. And then, you know, you get on as low as you can. And then eventually they'll peak out and then they'll drop back when they kind of wanted to get more, uh, the initial buyers wanting to profit. Um, so I thought it'd be the same this time. But judging by a lot of screenshots on Twitter of like people buying, you know, Kubo or, or other players, they got them at very low prices, surprisingly. And I 
from my past experience, I just said, okay, I'm going to sit this one out. I had all my money tied up. I, I couldn't deposit money at the time. I didn't want to insta-sell any of my portfolio. So I thought, okay, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to see what happens. And I'll buy on the, when it comes back down. Because I was <laughs> very interested in buying Kuba at the time. And I was expecting him to spike up and do the usual, you know, drop down. And I was, I'd analyze, like, you know, analyze whether I want to like buy then. I'd, I'd, I'd do that then. But like the question said, like, they never came down. They've, it's actually gone up even more. It's bizarre. <laughs> so that really threw me off the IPOs. Mm, mm. And uh, that's probably because people, there was so much hype around them. This is what I think that people started selling or depositing specifically for these guys and they didn't really care what kind of price they got them, which kind of creates this momentous forwards moving thing on the price, which kind of made some of these players just rock it, stabilise a little bit and then continue to rock it and not really have that much of a downward trend. Yeah, also with the techie show, they, they suspended the sell option, didn't they? Mm. So obviously that played a factor as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, strange. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kind of annoyed about Football Index not really talking about the failure that this was in terms from IPOs? Uh, yeah, it comes back to the communication things. And I think they can be a lot more transparent about what they're doing. I mean, they can put it in layman's terms. We don't all have to be techies to understand mm. what's going on, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, the one thing I would insist upon would be more transparency and what the process is and what is delaying them and a reasonable timescale. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's uh, certainly something for them to cheer over, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Football Index MDJ, how do you gauge the true value of a player? <laughs> Some traders look for a, a player to at least return their price and dividends over their career. Or 10% in a year. Sounds okay in principle, but I'm not sure that works in practice, so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Bloody hell, this could take a whole podcast, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I already, yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, well, I mean, there's various ways you find a player to begin with, whether it be, mm. you know, Twitter or some goal top 50 youngsters, you know, article or football manager or anything. Once you kind of find a player that you think is you know, worth looking at. I advise that you kind of just you do your own research. Um, the things I personally use when I kind of stumble across a player and I want to look more into them to see if there is value there, if the, if the player is generally good, is uh, index gain, mm-hmm. um, who scored, just a stat site, transfer market, the same, a stat site. I tend to use flash score as well to kind of bring up stats. And generally, I'll, I'll type in a player's name on Google and just look at the like the news section of that player and see if there's anything interesting there. Um, I mean, that's personally what I do when I look into players, to see if there's value. Mm. Yeah, that's about, about it for me on that regard. Mm. But uh, it's an interesting question because I don't think there's a right answer to it. I think people have their own opinions as to how they value players. But, you know, people value uh, it's completely different and obviously we're talking about a gambling platform versus like actual tangible things but if you value a business a lot of people value businesses based on i don't know a crazy metric between you know five or eight ten x their their profits in a year some people use that kind of base thing as a way to value companies but i'm sure there's other people that value companies using that with other various facets considered and also just through other means. So I guess like 
if you look at a player and you think they start their career, they peak and then they hit zero, you're going to, you know, 10% in a year or their price in dividends over their career, that's nearly the, it's kind of along the same lines of how you value a player, right? Yeah. I mean, 10% in a year is incredible return in most aspects. It's, I think we're spoiled with Football Index because it's such mm. a, it's a growing product um, that everyone's, very few people are losing. Um, some people are hitting over 100% per year, like mm. overall on the portfolio. So it's, it's a weird one with Football Index. In the rising market, it's hard to judge because obviously there's value in a lot of places, but what, what's the most value? It's hard to say. Mm. Very hard to mm. say. What do you think about the kind of dividends over their career or 10% a year? Is that kind of something that you consider when, when buying a player? A lot of my portfolio is based on established premium players that have a history of PB and media, you know, your Pogba's, Neymar's, Salah's, etc. And I'd say almost equally, it's in youth players, youth prospects, um, up-and-comers. So I personally, I try and diversify that I think with the youth prospects, capital appreciation generally trumps the, the dividend side of things, uh, at the moment at least. Obviously, as the, as the product reaches market cap, that'll kind of flow the other way. But I think we're quite a few, <laughs> quite a few years away from that at the moment. Hmm. What do you think on the market cap side of things? We discussed this quite in depth with Phil in the last episode at what could potentially happen with Football Index in that state. How do you envisage the market working? Because I presume that you know, 80-85% of the, the user base don't really think about that. They consider that, you know, um, maybe I'm being too generalistic and I don't really know who I, what everyone's thinking, but there are definitely people who think that dividends will only ever increase and share splits will continue to happen. What do you kind of see in the kind of, you know, future for Footlinux on the two to three years timescale? And how do you think they can adapt if it becomes a situation where the market doesn't go up, but flexes, so to speak? I think people will need to be a lot more savvy trading. Um, it's not going to be... the moment, every, like I was saying just then, it was uh, everyone seems to be winning at the moment. Mm. I think there will be a lot less in terms of percent return per year. That will obviously become lower. Um, how they can kind of get out of the higher dividend share split cycle. They mentioned moving the to a, like a decimal system, didn't they? Where they'd have you could be able to buy like one point five Neymar's or whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what they plan on doing in that regard, but it's hard hard to say. I'm I'm not too sure to be honest. Mm. I think it will be really interesting to see. Obviously, there'll be a lot more losers. It'll be kind of like fifty percent winners, fifty percent losers. But it's uh, certainly interesting to see. You know, valuing a player is is certainly kind of a subjective thing as as well as the amount of science you attribute to it it can still be a subjective thing but uh we'll move over to our data section now and i, I went over to the uh buzz pro total return report from uh, august the 1st 2018 up until now and i was just kind of off the back of mel's question looking at kind of the percentages that players have returned off their current prices since then so that's just under a year right 
Paul Pogba's returned £2.28, so that's about 31% or so. Messi's done about 27% and Neymar 17%. So clearly, just from a dividend standpoint, based on the prices they are right now, they've done extremely well. And you're a big fan of uh, index gain, as you've, you've just talked about before. So why don't you talk through why you've kind of based some of your portfolio around these kind of dividend earners? It might be obvious when you kind of lay the maths out there, right? Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself in the percentages. With index gain, you can see all this. You can see the media payouts. You can see the PB scores, the yields. So I like to have my finger in all the pies, so to speak, when it comes to football index or youth. PB and like the big the big boys for for PB and media. I say premium players. My portfolio probably comes out to about forty five percent. Youth players maybe forty percent, and then fifteen percent for just like PB players. So with the PB matrix change, that I'm not too concerned. It's only a fifteen percent part of my portfolio anyway. But yeah, I use index gain especially for the PB side of things, um, identifying who has good yields from like the past season's data. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's obviously good that you've kind of diversified yourself. Was that after you'd bought those trackers at the start of you know your Football Index journey? How did you decide kind of what way to go in terms of how thinly you were going to stretch yourself and, and what kind of players you were going to buy? Like I, I said earlier, uh, initially I bought a bunch of youngsters and then, you know, the two best players in the world, like Ronaldo and Messi. I think the share split was announced at the end of November, I think. I joined at the start of November. So initially I was buying young players with the exception of Messi and Ronaldo. Then when the share split came around, like looking around, everyone seemed to think that, the, you know, the big dogs would benefit the most. So then I, then I was like, okay. I'm going to invest a bit more here as I, I had more confidence in the product after a month. And I started buying the Pogba, uh, the Pogba's, the Neymar's. Um, that's when I truly started diversifying. I still had the youngsters there, the Foden's, the, the Havertz, the Brahim Diaz, but I just added the big boys in there as well. Um, when I first started, I didn't really focus at all on PB. Yeah, it was mainly the, the youth and the media at the start for me. But I think I got in a very lucky time when the share split was announced because that's when it started to pick up quite dramatically. Mm, mm. So talk to me a bit more about that kind of pivot to performance buzz that you, you talked about. What made you consider that more? Basically wanting to diversify because obviously I had the media and the youth for capital appreciation. I just thought I might as well dip my toe into the, the PB players as well. It's also nice on a, a match day to have that potential of winning one of the PB you know, slots. It makes it more interesting, more fun. So that's partly why I, I went into indexes again as well, because they had uh, good features for, like, for searching for, for good prospects PB-wise. It's also very good for monitoring your portfolio as well which is a, I don't know if you want me to go into that tangent, but you can tell you what specific players, what have gone up and down um, like per day. It's quite helpful when you have a more like over 100 players in your portfolio, for example. Because <laughs> uh, at the start, I was like, well, my portfolio has gone down £100, but I have no idea who's gone down. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very helpful. 
Mm, mm. I think it's uh, it can be overawing if you have a lot of players. I, th- I think Football Index will uh, definitely look to sort some sort of functionality out. But if you guys are looking to join Index Gain, you can use my code FIG2020 for 50% off your first month over on indexgain.co.uk. Thank you guys very much for the data. Uh, on to the next question, Jamie Harewood. Uh, Harwood, blah, I'm back to not being able to pronounce it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what is he, regular? He's a regular question asker, asker and listener. Oh. So uh, I feel terrible now. There should be a, a T-shirt or something that's created off the back of this because uh, <laughs> it's becoming a bit ridiculous. Uh, there's been a lot of chat recently about FI doing a PB dividend increase to keep the big names more attractive. Do you think this is needed? Uh, also, when do you think there will be one? Hmm. I haven't really seen that much chat about it on, nah. on the timeline. I think it's very, very unlikely anything will happen before the season starts in yeah. regards to a, like a reasonable like increase on dividends. Like we mentioned, the star, star man for the treble days increased into 3p, which makes sense because it was a bit bizarre when they, when they changed that. It didn't make sense. But maybe a small thing like that, they would change. But anything major? No, no. I don't mm. think so. I mean, there's, like you said, there's not much from the community. There's a few people mentioning it, but I mean, why would Football Index take the risk? Why wouldn't they see the growth from this season and then address it after maybe at Christmas or, you know, at the end of next season or, or this season, sorry? I don't think there's any rush, is there? No, no. It seems like an unnecessary, unnecessary risk for me. Yeah. And it's also, you know, as easy as it is for people to say, it attracts more money into the market. It also increases FI's liabilities once again. So yeah. I think there needs to be more flatness in terms of understanding that people have finally gathered more capital, whether it's like, you know, money that they've earned outside of FI or gathered enough more users to then be in a position that they're confident enough that a PB increase would generate you know a few million going into the market straight away because i think at the moment there's been so much buying and so much depositing recently that maybe you know as a user base they're slightly burnt out people don't have you know limitless pockets do they yeah yeah exactly plus they've they've also made a lot of investments uh the nottingham forest sponsor um i mean that's gotta be a few million there (laughs) just there isn't it god knows what they're paying nasdaq for the tech side of things so I mean, yeah, why take the risk? At the end of the day, we all want Football Index to be here for the long term, right? We all benefit from that. So it seems counterintuitive to like demand dividend increase. I mean, you said the yields yourself on Pogba, like, like a, was it a 31% you said? But yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's amazing for a yearly return. Um, so I don't think it, it's going to happen anytime soon anyway. Mm, it's uh, certainly certainly a good return. No one's arguing that. Uh, Sean Fi, what do you predict the market reaction will be between the end of Media Madness and the start of the new season? I think generally towards the end of months, people get paid, so that kind of helps the market grow at the end of each month. Um, that coincides with Media Madness ending this time. I can't see there being much of a blip at all, especially with Football Index looking to advertise heavily, assuming it's going to be starting very soon, probably at the start of August. We've already seen like, you know, the taxis and the, the tube advertisements and, and whatever else uh, already starting. So it'd be interesting to see what else they roll out. I think they've got a new advert, I think they mentioned as well. Um, mm. I'm not sure when that's dropping. But overall, I don't 
think there'll be that much of a blip. Like you said, I think there may be a small one, but I mean, it's it's looking positive. I tend to agree. I don't think there'll be too big a, a blip, to be honest with you. Uh, Football Index veteran, do you feel it's poor investing or poor betting to miss out on the huge youth rises we've seen from a couple of goals in friendlies with minimal minutes played in the league? Or is it important to stay disciplined to your own personal trading strategy? I personally think it's important to stay to your strategy. I mean, if you're literally insta-selling people in your portfolio, like one of your PB holes for the season just to get on Brewster because he scored a goal, um, it seems bizarre to me. Um, Obviously, there is growth there. I mean, it doesn't seem very logical to me. Uh, It's just the sentiment of the market is very youth-oriented at the moment. So my advice would be to stick to your own strategy. I mean, if you want to, say deposit a small sum and just kind of you know sit on sofa score or flash score and and watch the friendly and see Brewster score then quickly you know bang a 500 quid into Brewster just to like flip it I mean that's you can add that to part of your strategy but I wouldn't change your overall original strategy at all yeah and I think it's probably important on that note to kind of have a cash balance considering you know if you are getting FOMO then you could probably take advantage of some of these big uh, rises but at the same time, there have also been huge rises in players that aren't youth players in friendlies. You know, there have been huge rises in IPD players and players that could be speculatively good for PB next season. So there hasn't been just one, you know, there's been certainly a trend, but there have been various players that have flown up. Yeah, yeah. That's something I'm very terrible at, by the way, keeping the cash balance. <laughs> as soon as I get dividends, gone straight into something. You you and I both. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, from a personal standpoint, I haven't been, you know, when I've been seeing these rises in the friendlies, for example, because I haven't been trying to exploit it. I haven't been, you know, selling players to buy into that sort of rises personally. I mean, it's a viable option, surely, because it seems like they're going up 20, like, what was it, Greenwood the other day went up, what was it? 60p? <laughs> he took me over the barrier though. I was very happy <laughs> of the uh, yeah the big milestone. So he's a he's a winner in my eyes. But I already had him. I didn't just you know buy him off the goal, for example. So yeah, I'd like stick to your strategy. Mm. I mean, even if a youngster scores in the friendly, there's no guarantee they'll be in the first team squad. Mm-hmm. They could just play a handful of games in the season. I mean, then you'd be. <sighs> wasting uh some value there if you kept them for the season so so true it's you know definitely not all the youngsters that have risen in the pre-season friendlies are going to maintain that price throughout the season no way uh what was the arsenal youngster uh Niketia. i don't know if i've pronounced that right or not Niketia, yeah yeah he went he went up a lot recently well off a goal but i mean how many of these players are actually going to play 20 plus games in the season i'm not sure yeah, I think there's two things, right, with these players. You have to, one, look at their route into the team. So look at Arsenal with Lacazette, Aubameyang. Look at United with Pogba, Rashford, Martial. I'm trying to think of their other good players. They don't seem to have many these <laughs> yeah. days. Uh, De Gea, Wan-Bissaka now. There's a few players there that are probably going to play a substantial part and be starters next season if they're all there. Yeah. Chelsea, you know, with um, you know Pulisic and uh, God, Chelsea have got no good players these days either, do they? <laughs> no. 
Well, in transfer <laughs> band, they're, they're pretty screwed, aren't they? Let's use Liverpool. They've got good players. Yeah, uh, you go. know, Manus, Mane, Salah, Firmino. You'd expect they're going to line up like that next season. It'd be crazy yeah. for them not to. Same with Virgil van Dijk and Alisson at the back. Those two guys aren't going to be removed. Neither is Trent Alexander or Alexander Robertson. So I think looking at youngsters that have kind of a, one, a clear route into the first team and two, a clear route to dividends. When you can find and marry up those two things, you could potentially be looking at your, you know, a player that could have ridiculous rises. But then at the same time, we've seen players might not need that much playing time to actually explode next season. There could be some youngsters that just play in the Europa League and, and go stratospheric. I, I think Greenwood is definitely in one of those people. Just one friendly goal, he went up 60p. He's also won media. I think he won media for that day as yeah, well. And yeah, not, not, many, not many 17-year-olds win media. Mm. Mm. I think you've got basically him, you know, Sancho, yeah. Nketiah, um who is it? Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi obviously has recently won it so those yeah. young English players certainly do see some media appeal whether it's kind of like immediate or eventual yeah. and you know probably during the Premier League season that's gonna not going to happen as often unless they score on the pitch because I'm not so sure you know the sun is going to be too fixated with Mason Greenwood getting some like a new haircut but they might be with Pogba right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Um, it's certainly very interesting the dynamics of are so interesting at the moment to see who's going to continue to rock it and who's going to probably plummet because I think we're at a price point with some of these players where they're either going to continue going upwards quite vertically or they're going to kind of plummet if they don't play. Yeah, it's risky. It's definitely risky. Risky business, but potentially with a high payoff, right? Yeah. Uh, FI Chatter here's got a question. You seem to invest in having exactly a thousand of each player you own by and large, this means that you inherently have a higher percentage of a portfolio in the higher price players. What's the reasoning or theory behind this? Keep up the great work. Is that keep up the great work to you or to me? I think it's to you. Let's pretend it's both. <laughs> I mean, I wish there was a, a, you know, a detailed reason why I tend to buy in 1000s. It's simply because I have a, a number OCT. <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> like I see Don's portfolio and I, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Because he's got, he's got his all over the place, isn't he? It doesn't matter for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I tend to have a nice, neat, tidy. I like seeing my portfolio go, go up in even numbers, like 5, 10, <laughs> 20 pounds. Not asking for much, are you? Yeah, it's just, just it's a very simple answer. Uh, he said I was very top-heavy. Like I said earlier, I almost have an equal amount in premium and, and like youth prospects. So, and then a small amount in PB. So yeah, I don't think I'm too you know, heavy on the premiums. Mm. But um, just on that, like that gap between premium and youth, have you been tempted by any players in that bracket? And if not, what's the kind of reasoning behind avoiding those? Um, there's, there's some that I've, like, for example, I would probably put like premium youth into its own little category, like Foden, Havertz, because they've actually reached fairly high prices now, like £3 plus, haven't they? Mm. And like Delit, Vinicus Junior, like that I've sold those recently to kind of you know branch off into like investing in the dips on Pogba and Neymar because I felt they reached their peak. But yeah, um, I tend to like, for example, Jal Felix. I completely missed the boat on that. Moise Keen, I missed the boat on that. I don't tend to if I don't get in at a reasonable price, I won't invest in that personally. That's my view on it. Because I feel like they don't justify their price at 
at that point because I mean what's Tiao Felix right now like 3 333 around that area it's very very high <laughs> so yeah I tend to look for lower value or lower price players I should say uh, next question here from FI Charlie the transfer window has been very quiet this summer for Premier League clubs do you see a flurry of movement closer to deadline day it's been very quiet for a Premier League. I mean, um, the biggest transfer has been Rodri to Man City, I, I think, is like mm, 62 million, Don, I believe. Dombele was very close as well, wasn't he, to... Uh... Yeah, like 50-something 50, 50 million Dombele. Um, Haller, West Ham, 40 million, he went for, I think. Juan Bazaka and Tealsman, they were already in the Premier League, but they went for like around 40 million, 50 million. Bizarre one as well, Joel Linton from Hoffenheim went to Newcastle for 40 million. 40 million. Mike Ashley actually dug into his pockets. It's so bizarre. It's weird. But that's a very quiet window for incomings for the Premier League. I think it's a very various reasons, really. Like the Man City and Liverpool squads seem very, like Guardiola and uh, Klopp seem very happy with their squads at the moment. Obviously, I, find that, I find that slightly strange, though, because City have lost company and Otamendi seems to be leaving. So are they going to go into the season with, is it, you know, John Stones... Who else do they have? To I think uh, they obviously have Laporte, John Stones. Yeah, Laporte, um, of course. Apparently, Mangala, Guardiola high, rates Eric Garcia very highly, so I think he'll feature. But enough to play a similar role to um, Otamendi and company last season. That seems. I mean, he must be bloody good. I think if they sold Otamendi, they'd have a replacement coming in for sure. Yeah. But I think if think so. everything stayed the same as it is currently, I think, you know, Eric Garcia would be in and around the squad, the first team for this year. Mm. Mm. Um, Liverpool seem very happy with their squad. They haven't done anything so far, have they? Yeah, I mean, they've had injuries though, haven't they? They've had... Um... Who was out for them last season? My brain just isn't working. <laughs> it's the heat. Was obviously, See, it's the heat, man. I don't know about you, but I'm melting right now. I am so warm. <laughs> uh, I think it's staying sitting next next to a computer as well is not helping. But yeah, Navigator was injured for a fair bit last season, wasn't he? And yeah. that was kind of their, their big signing that came in. But I guess there was like, you know, so much chat about Fakir and Timo Werner that's seemingly died down now. I wonder if they're still on the hunt for a player in that kind of position yeah. who can but, but then, again, Divock Origi's just signed a new contract. Yeah. Um, Brewster's Chichir, come in. Brewster Brewster's basically well. replaced Sturridge. Um, yeah. The players that you forgot about, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah. yeah. Probably looking That's at him as like a new player, basically. Lallana exactly. might feature. He was Shaqiri was very injury-prone last season. I know yeah. he featured quite a lot, especially off the bench. But um, I suppose, you know, to quote the old Arsene Wenger, they're, they're going to be like new signings, aren't they? Yeah. And then obviously Chelsea have basically got half a squad back from loan. Yeah, the transfer uh, ban really. I mean, they got band, Kovacic yeah. for a decent amount. Million. But, um, Jesus Christ, yeah. Arsenal are just useless in the transfer market. <laughs> yeah, as an Arsenal fan, it's uh, something I can't deny. But it um, seems as though Caballos and um, Saliba are happening. And then there's obviously Tierney and Zaha that seem the, the obvious targets. But yeah. I feel that for Arsenal, it's not kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll get one of those guys or we'll get both of them. And if we can't get them, we won't get them. Yeah. If they can't get them, they're going to have to get other players because, you know, if Koscielny's leaving, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be a lot of gaps in the squad. Similarly to United, if Pogba leaves, they're going to have to replace him. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Especially, you know, Herrera's gone. Fred hasn't settled. McTominay's been decent, but is he a top four player, top six player? I'm not too sure. 
So they, they, and, they, and that's kind of, you know, if you look at all their youth players that look kind of promising, the likes of, you know, Chong Greenwood, uh, Gomez, and so on and so forth, they've not really been blessed with talented players coming into the central midfield area. No. Um, so it's kind of a shame for them on that end. But I think we're going to see activity. I keep saying it's going to, someone's going to do something and then it's going to set off a domino effect. It's yeah, to. I think that's going to resolve, revolve around, um, you know, what Man United do. Um, whether mm. Popper goes, like who they bring in, who they sell. Yeah, Lukaku as well, I think, could be a big one that, that kind of shifts everyone. But yeah, all in all, Charlie, I think we, we do. Uh, Couples magic hat here. <laughs> Steve Couples. It's an interesting name. <laughs> uh, do you have a plan or timeline to get to zero net deposits and maybe start to take a weekly or monthly payout to yourself? What events, developments might persuade you to postpone or bring forward a plan to take your money back? I made a plan with recent investments basically I, I wanted to kind of maximize what I could put in and feel comfortable um, I don't have all my eggs in the basket in football index for example I have uh, like stocks and shares um, investments in in my ISA um, the next time I plan to withdraw from football links will be in March next year um, just so I can max up my ISA for the year you get an allowance per year so I'll make a withdrawal in March 2020 and then uh, max my ISA out and then I have no plans to withdraw until the, the following year, March 2021, same reason. Um, other than that, no, yeah, no. Mm. I mean, it sounds like you're being quite sensible. Yeah, yeah. Even though you deposited a hefty sum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I would be able to sleep at night if I had, you know, uh, everything in the football index. Certainly uh, would be quite stressful. SAH89, who will be king of the index June 2020? So uh, get your crystal ball out here, Chris. Hmm. Well, that will be just before the Euros. So <laughs> I think my money would be on Pogba or Mbappe simply because. Interesting. Interesting. The lead up for Euro 2020 plus the transfer links to Real Madrid will resurface. Um, this is assuming Mbappe will have a decent season or, you know, Pogba doesn't need to have a, a decent season as long as he gets his media. Those would be my predictions. Um, maybe an outside chance at one of the English youngsters if they, I mean, if Sancho has another break, like, like amazing season with the lead up to Euro 2020. Um, loads of hype around England, you know, Sancho being the main man, maybe, maybe he might pip it. It also depends highly on what Neymar does this season. He had a very off season in the latter half. Um, if that continues this season, I'm not sure where he'll be. But yeah, that would be my predictions. I'm not sure what you think. I think it, it could be an English youngish player who kind of has a great season next year and then is a big part of the Euro 2020 plans. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure who that is, but that's the kind of inkling I get. Then again, if Neymar has an outstanding season next season and wins ridiculous amounts of pb yeah because a lot of people do consider him to still be you know the best pb player on the platform even at psg even with messi yeah i think that could be one so i think there's a few options really yeah and with the pb changes like if if they actually implement dribbles or you know key <laughs> passes that'll suit neymar down to the ground right so well it won't hurt him will it um no definitely not <laughs> suit him down to the ground brilliant chris have you got anything else that you want to want to cover before we uh, wrap up anything that you want to get off your chest that you didn't manage to just to say that i think the community appreciates your contribution uh, you're very consistent with the podcast which is not an easy thing to do 
<laughs> and you uh, paint the football in the next community in a positive light. Uh, I just want to thank you for that. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on the show. It's definitely not an easy thing to do to chat in front of a, a mic across a computer for an hour. Where can people find out more about you on Twitter? Yeah, just at Sacred UK on Twitter. I mean, I just post sporadically about, you know, updates. I try not to uh, post too many players. I don't want to be accused of pumping and dumping, etc. But yeah, if you want to follow me at Sacred UK on Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on, man. If you guys are commuting right now, I hope you enjoy your commute. It's going to be 37 degrees tomorrow in London as I record this on 24th of July, Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, the 25th. It's going to be 37 degrees. I don't know how I'm going to survive my commute. So I hope this keeps you cool and it makes it fly by, even if it's on Monday next week. Uh, shout out to the non-commute crew as well. If you guys are you know, working from home, uh, taking a day off to enjoy the sun or just you know, on holiday, whatever you're doing. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Obviously, we had a few, but hopefully we answered all of them. It was quite tough, especially with the recent announcements, the IPO stuff, the IPD uncertainty, the NASDAQ stuff the you know pb mates exchange so much to kind of chew through and uh, luckily i had chris with me here <laughs> pleasure <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening and have a great day cheers 